Hey everybody, how you doing? Excited to bring you another new episode, and this one is with a friend of mine. I had a conversation with a friend who I keep in contact with pretty regularly. Um, we're in a couple different group text chains together, and uh, he's somebody who I find extremely hysterical. He's my friend that kind of keeps me laughing, and um, we haven't spoken in person in a couple of months. So I wanted to chat with him. We, uh, we talked about a whole bunch of different stuff, some serious, some not serious, some pretty funny. And um, he's somebody that I find not only funny, but interesting. He's got a really great perspective and he's extremely smart. So um, without further ado, my guest, Kenny Konwinski. But before we enjoy this episode, I want to give a big shout out to the sponsor of this podcast, Action. If you have not head over to the website yet, drinkaction.com, and that's action with a K, I'm going to give you a couple seconds to grab your laptop or your phone and head over to the website. You'll find all kinds of specialty roast coffee, natural supplements, things like turmeric and CBD, a new product called Fuel, which is an on-the-go MCT bomb. It's a really sweet treat. I think it's vanilla-flavored, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, it's a good source of clean energy. It's keto-certified. It's a part of a whole new branding that Action has overtaken in the last six months. And uh, you'll be happy to know that they continue to grow the coffee side as well. All the coffee is sourced from Guatemala. It's uh, sourced from a single farm in the highlands. It's on the side of a volcano. It's then sent to Austin, Texas, where it's roasted on demand when you order. So it's not roasted and set aside to get stale. It's as fresh as you're going to get it. And they ship it right to your doorstep. You can set it up with a subscription model, and you'll get 20% off if you do that. So head over to drinkaction.com. Grab yourself some Rumble Time, which is a dark medium roast kind of hybrid uh, in partnership with Anthony Rumble Johnson, who, by the way, is making his return to the UFC probably early 2021. And uh, while you're there, grab some active, grab some fuel, and tell a friend. Use code word curious and enjoy the show. Move your screen up, up just a little bit, and then do me a favor. Sure. Go or down just a little bit, and then don't no up a little bit. All right, right there, and don't touch it anymore. Okay. Okay. And, um, all right. First, no, and but why did you come dressed like fucking Adam Sandler? Is that work attire? What's what is the deal? Because I've always wanted to ask you these questions, and now I get to do it. <laughs> why are you dressed like a hobo? This is the drip. What are you fucking talking about? What do you want me to come in a suit and tie to talk to you? I'm just, just I'm just razzing you, razzing your chain, Ken. I'm, you know, my mom and dad are pretty close with the general. You know who that is? Mark Austin. Yeah. Did you know that they were close? Uh, probably from the old Ruffin days, right? Yeah. So my, so what's it? Mark lives in somewhere near Green Green County, PA. Yeah. And my dad is like an hour away from a maybe. And so they golf a lot, which is cool that my dad's like, 
got a friend, but it's even cool. <laughs> it's cool that he's golfing and shit, like having fun. Cause you know, he, he was so bored down there that, cause my mom, he's retired and my mom's working really hard. So he's like, so is this, a, are you trying to put out like some, are you hoping your dad listens to this and changes his behavior and you're like putting <laughs> this out there for him to hear or what's up? No, I, no, we're going to edit what, edit it out about my dad being, 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 a bad husband. Sa- being sad down there. Yeah. yeah. I like that hat. What do you got on? Is that a Texas hat? I, you know, I was going to not wear this hat. Cause I'm like, this hat's going to cause problems. It's the rock. And, uh, why does it cause problems? He posted this video in all fairness, dude. I mean, it was so hot. I don't ever get involved in politics, but this time I have to get involved in politics. And I sat down with Joe and Kamala and, you know, take it from me. They have a plan to fix this country and I'm putting my full support behind them and I'm going to continue to do that. I dude, to me, it was the biggest in response to everybody pushing biden for this long form com- it was back when the rogan conversation was really heating up and it was sure. like the rock basically went and answered all the questions that everybody would want answered but was like don't they don't want to talk to you but take it from me they're they've got a plan but like still not going to tell you what it is but sure it was, it was strange it's just like you know it's nobody's got a fucking plan no especially dwayne johnson <laughs> I don't think so. Like, you you watch those debates, right? I mean, both of them. Yeah, yeah. So to me, you know, look, I you know a hundred percent that I am I'm blue all the way, but fucking Kamala Harris didn't seem any better than anybody. She just like shook her head and played the role of I I'm gonna vote for women's rights, so vote for me. And so I didn't. I didn't see anything there that was like, why does Siri keep going off? There was nothing in that debate that showed me that she was going to be any better than Pence. I mean, look, he's a dickhead. I don't know much about Pence, but just the fact that of the platform that he sort of runs on, I, I don't like him. Mm-hmm. But um, Kamala Harris didn't do anything special. When asked directly, if you have a plan to save the country that you're claiming is falling apart beneath your feet, I just get really sketched out when you don't seem to have anything to share with me. Don't you think you should say yes or no? Like I have a plan rather than going straight from, Hey, do you have a plan? Well, Trump wanted to take apart the ACA and it's just like, that wasn't the question. And so I get dodging questions, but as an American, you know, if you want to sway voters on the fact that you have a plan, which I hope that the blue, you know, the Democrats have a plan because that's, that's my ballot all the way. But um, if you want to sway voters that you have a fucking plan, because that's what the debates are for, then say, yes, I have a plan, or this is what we're going to work on rather than just going, Hey, Trump wants to tear apart the ACA and, he is an asshole. And so I think that's the platform that they were running on. And I don't really like that. Uh, of course, the ACA has holes to it. Um, that has been something that has been prevalent since 2010. But tell me how you're going to fix it then and why you wouldn't repeal it. Why those individual mandates are constitutional, which 
they're probably not. Um, go ahead. Do you, do you think it's that they don't think people can understand it if they try to get into it? Or do you think they don't understand it so they don't get into it? That's a good question you ask. So I don't know Louis, if Louis told you that I'm doing a master's in public health. No. Did anybody tell you that? All right. So I'm working on a master's in public health. And so I, Obamacare is the hardest thing to understand. Um, or ACA, whatever you want to call it. I, I am lucky that I didn't have a lot of test questions on the ACA because that shit is tough. So do you get, do you know a lot about it? Because you can maybe teach me something. No, I've never had to leverage it. And so I, I've only ever heard what other people's frustrations have been about it, but that it being very complex and convoluted and a lot of loopholes and struggles, especially if you're a provider. Yeah, so there's this will this will spark another public health debate between us probably. But so the amendment shows the tenth amendment is that anything that is not specifically stated in in the constitution is in the hands of the states. And so what happened with the ACA is it has mandates for states, the individual states, to expand Medicare and Medicaid down to 100% of the federal poverty line, which is like nothing. So a, the federal poverty line is the same, obviously, in New York or in Bradford, PA. Um, and the poverty line for an individual, a single, single person is $12,000 a year. So there might be a lot of people in Bradford that aren't making $12,000 a year. So they're screwed, right? Because they're not even making anything of the federal poverty line. Um, and then you got your people that are making $12,000 a year that are spending too much on insurance. And then you got your people that are making 50 that don't qualify. Your single mothers that are making 50 that don't qualify. So there's, there's where the, a lot of the holes with ACA come in. Um, but to back to your point, I think that that could be a good point. Like maybe they just didn't think we would understand it. Um, and that's another leadership. That's another quality in a leader that you need to have to be able to, un to explain shit that people can understand. That's always been my problem with Obama. You know, I, I love what Obama stands for. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah, it, yeah. but I just, I, I felt as time continued to go on this very disingenuous, you know, I think he's good, but I, I just, I don't buy it. And I, I guess it shouldn't be expected because it's a politician. Right. And so you have to, you don't get to be the president without greasing some backs and, and probably fucking some people over along the way, but sure. there's just so much about all of what he said. And maybe it's that he couldn't get it done. Maybe that's because of political opposition that didn't allow it to happen or just other priorities but it seemed to me to be the one theme of like this kind of slick talk, almost I'll talk down to you because I'm so intelligent, but then it never really ever came to fruition. So I was in high school when Obama got elected in, in Mr. Pelka's class. And uh, he, we didn't learn anything about that stuff. So the ACA I imagine was a part of his running platform. I'm sure that it wasn't altogether because it didn't get passed when he was elected. But um. I never understood anything about Obamacare and I am betting no disrespect to Dave and Dina and no disrespect to Rob and Sharon. My parents probably didn't understand that shit either. Like 
nobody understood it. And that's part of the problem. I don't think Obama ever even had a thing that said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to repeal it so everybody has health insurance, which it did tend to, um, I think it went from 8.8 million people insured in 2010 to when Obama left office, there were 16.8 people insured, 6.8 mil. So a lot of people did get it. This is where I get frustrated when you talk about the debates, right? Because I don't know how much money they pay a Chris Wallace or a Susan whatever her, her last, the woman from the USA Today. Yeah, yeah. Susan Rice, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if, if they even get paid. Maybe they don't get paid. But for, for getting that opportunity to sit down and interview and hold the, these people accountable, they put all their focus in being tough on the, hey, okay, your time's up. Your, your time's up. Your, your time's up. Stop talking. Your time's up. But yeah. hardly do that. It's like you have a question prepared you should be pretty sure of what the rebuttals are going to be. And you should be prepared with what your follow-up to their rebuttal is. And that's where you should be tough. And yeah, none of it, dude. It's like, <laughs> I was talking to Jennifer during these debates and I'm thinking like, if I was the me- the mediator for these debates, when people were done talking, I'd start doing like the Ace Ventura, <laughs> like the siren, like you're done. Um, but they, uh, they didn't, um, he, so Susan Rice seemed to obviously sway blue and Chris Wallace was an outstanding, um, what do you call, I call it mediator. What's the moderator moderator. So Chris Wallace, I think was an outstanding moderator because he's Fox news, but he's not, he's not Mr. Like, yeah, fucking all lives matter. Um, and so I, I mean, I know they didn't stop the questions. They weren't prepared for rebuttals. You're right. There were, those debates sucked, especially the first one. And I'm not going to bat. I don't want to bash on Trump, but like he was an asshole and oh, he, he performed horribly. I, I was like shocked. I was kind of like, it seemed like the guy that partied all night the night before and then yeah. woke up was like, fuck, I have to go take my SATs or I have to go to the debate. And then he like showed up irritated and just decided to steamroll it because there was, there, there were so many opportunities that he missed that I was surprised that he missed. Sure. It was sad. And dude, I was stoned out of my head during that thing. And me and Joe were just laughing so hard because you know, the typical Trump raise your finger, but he really, he didn't come with anything. I mean, he was, he won that first question. So that first question, I can't, I don't remember what it was, but um, he, he beat Biden in that question because Biden started talking. It was about the, maybe the pandemic or the, you know, the Black Lives Matter movements. Um, and he, Biden went straight to the fucking ACA. Didn't say a word about what happened with the question. And he went straight to the ACA. And how do you win? How, how do you sway va- voters when you don't answer those questions. That's complete bullshit. It's just. That's where I think people, I mean, think about it last election cycle. There was a lot of people that are, they still don't believe that Trump beat Hillary Clinton. They're so out of touch with a couple of things. A they're out of touch with how a large, they're out of touch with how a large majority of this country views things. And they're also out of touch 
in a way with how like when you look on Facebook and you see people on either side, really like total MAGA, you know, waving the flag. Yeah. I, I follow a couple of people. It's just <clears throat> fucking daily comedy, dude. You know, it's hilarious. Trump, yeah, it's Trump had coronavirus. It wasn't real. He was faking it to meet with his top generals because they're going to go take Hillary Clinton down. And then you have the other people on the opposite side who are just as crazy on certain things, you know, and well, they're worse. They're worse. I mean, they're, they're, they're worse. The, the liberals are worse on Facebook. Absolutely. There's some people aren't going to change on either side. They're not going to change their vote, no matter how fucking crazy, no matter what Trump would get up there and say, or Biden says they're going to vote that way, no matter what sure. the people that are in between the things that are important to them that are going to make them go one way or another are some of the things that those people aren't answering and that those people at home listening are like waiting for that one moment. And that silence is such a big deal. And there's certain things where I'm, I've brought up to people on both sides. I'm like, this was a like Trump, not denouncing the KKK and hate groups, even though he's done it in the past, it wasn't a good move because there's people right now on the fence that were waiting for his opportunity to answer that question and he sure. didn't. And the same thing on Biden's side. And I actually thought it was kind of crazy that that dude went full like RoboCop and was like, I support the police. We need, like, he kind of doubled down on the cop stuff. And I think he may have lost support from some okay. people on that side. But uh, there's a there's a very narrow path for people who are watching this that are going to make up that 10% deficit very quickly. And it's the same thing that happened last election cycle, I think, with Hillary. I don't remember those debates, but I'm totally on your side there. Because if you don't know who you're going to vote for, you're there for a specific reason. I think Biden made a good point. <clears throat> he stole some of your voters, um, some of Trump's voters, by saying, yeah, I support the my, Don't be calling my voters. I'm... <laughs> All right, sorry. He stole some of the red voters because he said, you know, of course I support the, the police. Um, and, you know, there's simple little things you can do to make people like you. Um, and I think that the majority of them sniff their grandkids, like sniff their grandkids. But how about wear a fucking mask? The world wants you to wear your mask, but he had to like, not what Trump and Melania had to not wear it to prove a point. And then they come out of the hospital with the coronavirus and say, nah, fuck it. We don't need to wear it. He leaves the hospital to go wave to people. He made a speech today or yesterday about how he was looking down on people from the hospital like he's fucking Jesus Christ, which is absolutely hysterical. This guy's so funny. And in 2016, <laughs> in 2016, when he was running on the platform of just being an asshole, I was like, okay, I got to vote for Hillary or, or I didn't even vote. Um, but I have to be on Hillary's side because it's the lesser of two evils. But like, those debates were so funny. It's the first time anybody's got up there and been like, yeah, you're ugly. Dude, <laughs> when when she said, it's a good thing you weren't in charge. And he said, yeah, because you'd be in jail. Like, 
That was the greatest one-line mic drop moment in fucking presidential debate history. That dude yeah. totally just ended her right there. It was like, oh, fuck, that's right. Just the wit. Like, you should – I don't know if this was a meme, but it should have been one. Like, that moment where the fucking mic drops and then Dr. Dre song starts playing and it, it zooms did. into I his see. face yeah. with the sunglasses on. He was funny. And so a lot of people were like – what the hell let's let's have a change in 2016 but now it's like i don't so i said to you the other day my life's not going to change yeah that's the thing though but it might change for a lot of a lot of people yeah Uh, in, in either direction and i think i've talked about this a couple of times everybody's reality is different so you know something that might benefit me that same action might make somebody else's life miserable for the next two or three years. So, you know, cause that's just a reality and not anybody, not everybody wants to admit that, you know, they want to just be very selfish and we live in a selfish world. So it's like, I don't really fucking care. Bro. I have a story for you. You might have to end up cutting this. So I played golf the other day. I was golfing the other day and there was, a middle-aged woman single. So it was like four o'clock on a Wednesday. Um, so I played with this middle-aged woman and then another kid who was, I think, 29. Um, and so we had some good conversation and like, they seemed like really nice people. And this kid was a hunter and like, you know, he, he reminded of us, us, me of our friends back home. Um, and then at the, I think at some point during, oh, she had a new boyfriend. And he was uh, a MAGA supporter um, and he was a Eagles fan. And she was like, my kids are bleeding heart liberals and Giants fans. So if you come home to Christmas dinner, don't wear your Giants jersey or your MAGA hat. So she's a trust. That was her way of telling me she was a Trump supporter. And then so I, I kind of deflected it. And then at the end, last hole, she, it was getting dark. And she goes, oh, I, I got to pull out a colored ball because it's, you know, so I can see it. And I said, well, that's something a fucking Trump supporter would say. And so, you know, that was her opening. That was her fucking opening to just be racist and horrible the whole, whole, the whole, the rest of the way in. She was just like saying things about Uber supporting, support black businesses. And why can't we support all businesses? And she was saying stuff that a typical, you know, your typical Trump supporter would say, but it's just like, all they need is an opening to just, she knew that I wasn't going to be mad and she just shot and just took that opening and didn't stop talking about Trump and the economy for the fucking next 25 minutes. Um, So this is interesting because couple of things that I want to unpack. And there's actually something that got brought up from a previous episode that I want to bounce off of you because I know we think about things a little differently. Okay. So this whole like weaponization of language and, and words and, and things like that, right? Um, I had an email that I got and it was from a listener who wrote me a note that said, I listened to a lot of the podcasts and I came across the Tim Kennedy episode and there was something that Tim said in that episode that was a little alarming and that I don't even think Tim really understood maybe some of the implications of it. And it was around the term 
calling a spade a spade. I'm sure. And that that's extremely racist and offensive and that it's something that, you know, should be discussed, you know, and I'm the type of person, like, obviously not a racist for, I believe first and foremost in conducting yourself in a proper way, but also in intent. And I know what my intent is. And I know in my dialogue with Tim Kennedy, I don't believe he's a racist at all. I think he's sure. about a straight up human individual that you can possibly be. Uh, but it begs the question of that word, because I went back and looked after I, you know, I responded to this, that, you know, first I do apologize if anybody's offended by that, because I never understood it in that context. And that's just ignorance on my part for not knowing that. And in hindsight, it makes sense, but I did go back and look and the origins of that word predate any type of racial connotation on that. And so I, it's just scary because I think it's an example of language being hijacked into the use of something a lot more dangerous and detrimental, but we're in a time right now where that's starting to happen. So, you know, like being careful to not give power to people who are trying to take language and thought and make it dangerous for us to communicate because I see it from the perspective of that's, you know, something that's pretty offensive if somebody hears that. And so I'm sensitive to that, but I also am sensitive to somebody who may have a different understanding and we're taught differently and don't have a racist, you know, meaning behind their use of that and that they don't want to give way and allow some other, you know, fringe groups or whoever to take a word that doesn't mean that in the first place away from them. And I see it both ways. And I, I actually tend to lean on the side of, I don't think it's right that we have to change our meanings but that said, I also, you know, for something like that, there's a thousand ways you could use a phrase. And so why use one that has the potential to hurt someone? But I wanted to bring that up because, you know, we're different and you seem to have a, a kind of look on your face the moment that I said it. So, well, no, so I get it. I, I mean, I get where you're coming. So I got a lot of things to say about that. First of all, I got a buddy who says that a lot, every, a lot. And so every time he says it, we are like, yo, dude, chill. Um, because I tend to think like, I don't want to get punched in the face for just some stupid saying that might not, he's not even saying that in a racist connotation, he's saying like, this sucks. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's go home. We're not catching any fish. Right. Um, <clears throat> but I think, uh, it's important to keep in mind empathy, um, I think, you know, if it makes somebody feel shitty, then what the hell, let's not say it. Um, but if somebody slips and says an expression without knowing, then that's bullshit for you to call that person a bad person. So Tim Kennedy probably said that having no connotation of the Black Lives Matter movement or anything like that. He's probably talking about MMA and this guy took it in the wrong kind of wrong um wrong connotation i guess so to call him a racist would be totally wrong but keep in mind that empathy so like i i said cop around a, a bunch of you know people of color the other day and i was like oh shit i can't even talk about the police um so it's it's there you're right i feel the same way um but i i agree with you yeah no and i 
again, I first I want to say they they did not say that he was. They they actually I think in the email said they don't believe that he is, but they they don't even believe that he maybe even realized what he was saying in the moment. Um, but it had it are it's you know you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, right? So there has been a negative connotation with that. So I'm going to cease using it just because to your point, there's empathy. I guess I look at it now moving forward that it's a lesson to be learned that at some point in time, people actually had to give power to that phrase to the idiots that were using it that way. And I think it's why in the moment, it's really important to not just shrug off people who are like, Hey, come on. Like, why are we tearing down this Washington monument? Like, there were people that were saying that back when, you know, the first couple of Confederate monuments were being taken down and people were like, Oh, you know, what's next. You're going to start tearing down stuff with Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. And people are like, Oh, come on. You're just overreacting. And now that's happening. And I get it. There's a lot of bad shit in our history, but you can't hold and measure people from the past to the standards of today. That's kind of doesn't even like line up with your whole idea of having progress in the first place, because what are you going to measure yourself against the people of a hundred years from now? And so I just think like, you know, that, that right there is a, a great example of how this can go. So I agree with you because I mean, it's not, you can't erase history. And so I got a, I got a funny story, a funny saying that um, uncle Don told me once. And I said this saying to somebody and they just died laughing in movie gallery. Somebody said, said something about history in movie gallery and I said this saying, and they didn't look at me and be like, oh yeah, you're right. They just cracked up laughing at me right away. Um, so he says, the midget can't, the midget can't see past, past the giant unless he sits on the giant's shoulders. Like you gotta understand history. It's a funny little fucking saying, especially cause my family's five seven. Um, but it's true. You can't erase history. So you just got to, shit. you got to teach people, you know, if mm-hmm. that's what a president should run on and say, Hey, listen, let's stop saying that because this is why rather than just erasing it and then condemning people for saying stuff that they don't even know what it means. Yeah. The problem here is, and I guess we'll get off of politics because you know, we wanted to laugh, but the problem is that um, being conservative is now synonymous with being a cocksucker. And this country was built on conservative values and whoever's conservative, you're a good conservative. You understand you're not a, you're not a racist. You're not, um, you're not conservative because they say, don't wear a mask. You were conservative long before Donald Trump and you like what the party stands for. But now it's, I'm voting red and you're automatically an asshole Yeah, no, because you just, stand for the values that he stands for or yeah. no, I think mean, he stands for. Yeah. I don't vote for anyone. I vote for the issues that are at stake and a lot of, a lot of other things. And I think that's how people should go into this whole thing. If they, if they're going to vote at all, go and, and do your research and whatever is impacting you. That's the beautiful part of this country. It's, it shouldn't be what the fucking rock wants you to do. It shouldn't be, you know, what anybody that's in a movie or an athlete that I I just, I'm sorry, bro. Like LeBron, shut the, you're, you're living in a $25 million home that you pay for 
from an endorsement deal from Nike that makes its profits by employing slave labor in China. And then you fucking come here and tell the people in America whose jobs were taken by Nike and taken over there. So like they were fucked once and now you're going to come and preach them about racism and oppression. And you're fucking living in Beverly Hills or Brentwood with slave money, like literally slave money. That's what it is, right? I mean, I'm, am I laborers. Well, I don't know. So, I mean, I get you make a good point about Nike being slave labor. Sure. Um, but that's an 18 year old, you know, they hand this 18 year old kid all this damn money and he wants to have a platform and say, hey, I'm not going to spend my money on bitches and hoes. I'm going to spend my money on teaching, on, on using my fame to teach America to, um, to be great. So love it. Want him to do it so much. I would just think if you really want to do good, you would take that money. And I know he has, I, he's invested in the community, which kudos to him, but that then double down on that. Keep, continue to do that, build programs and all the things that you think will help these communities that you grew up in and, and came out of getting on television and talking about oppression and all of these things that I'm sure you care about. Are you unaware that you are getting your money from a company that's directly benefiting from that type of shit in a different part of the world? Or do you just think the people that are listening to you are unaware? And so you don't give a fuck either way to me, it's wrong. And he should at least just like, I don't care, make your money, bro. But then don't come back around and pander to the fucking people on the other side. It's just so disingenuous. And the fucking idiots that buy into that, that's who I worry about. I'm just like, you don't even like question it. You're just like, yeah, fucking right, man. LeBron knows, man. We're all, you know, we're, we're oppressed, man. You know. That sucks. And that, that sucks because the, a celebrity that plays basketball has way more power and way more fame and influence than the president. Um, I, you make a really good point about the Nike slave labor. I guess I'm not educated enough to like know about it, but when you think about it, absolutely. I don't know like factual numbers of, but at the end of the day, they've outsourced a lot of their labor to China. And there's a reason why they do that because they can pay people a lot less money. Like if Nike was really giving a shit about America and the streets that LeBron's campaigning for like, Hey, how about you? Why don't you bring five or six of those factories back and put one in Detroit? Why don't you put one of them in Chicago? Why don't you put one of them in new Orleans? You know, why don't you infuse some of these communities with a great factory from Nike and uh, make a little bit of less money? Um, You know, LeBron, maybe you don't have to get a billion dollars. Maybe you can get 500 million and uh, you know, we're all doing better, but it, it seems like everybody's stance only is it's conveniently always going to lead them to more money. Like it's, it's never going to like take money out of their pocket. It's the same with the rock. He posted a thing today about the, you know, I'm now the most followed man in America. I've got a hundred million followers. And then he alludes to the fact that when he made the announcement of his support behind Joe Biden, that he all of a sudden got 30 million new followers. Well, yeah, there's probably a lot of people who were Joe Biden supporters that never followed you before and they went and followed you. 
so it's just it's like very disingenuous that now you're trying to go out there and let people know like i'm really important all these people now follow me i'm a leader go vote for joe biden i i it just how much do you think they pay him how much do you think the biden campaign pay the rock a ton of money a ton there is and by the way you can manipulate the fuck out of those numbers how who are these new 30 million people rock who are they or did did you fucking have instagram bump your number up because at this point you have so many fucking followers that it doesn't matter anyways and it's all these people are interconnected and i'm not trying to get all like conspiratorial but anybody that reads that article and is like well you know it must be real it must be real because rock got 30 30 million more followers like what the fuck does that even mean? 30 million more followers. What, how do you know that what, what 30 million people in America went and clicked the button? Come on. And then it shows up on their algorithms because yeah. so there it's a, it was a Biden campaign move and it's, it's a smart. fucking genius move. Very smart. It, and that's, that's terrible. And a lot of it comes from um, a lot of my resentment for celebrities and stuff. I think maybe comes from like Arnold jealousy. <laughs> No, like jealousy. Like I hate them. They're so much fucking better than me and people care about them so much. And how many lives are they saving? Fuck them. You know, like I help families every single goddamn day and nobody knows my name. Nobody wants to know my name and I don't care. Does this come from when you lived, you, you lived. So hold on, let's get this straight. You lived in a pool house next door to jennifer aniston right she lived down the road from me but it was close to me um the guy that lived next to me was a retired ceo of like crystal cruises or princess cruises some shit like that and so there was a yard up there and in the where i lived and so i would go in in my house or whatever and then my dog would find a fucking way to escape and he'd go down to Joe's house and have dinner with him like three times. He, he did this. He escaped. He, I go down there. He's at Joe's house, the CEO of the Princess Cruises or whatever the hell cruise company it is. And, uh, you know, I see I, I walk into Joe's house. He's he's just like your normal grandpa. He's got his putting rug set out in his living room. I don't know if he had a wife or whatever. But then this guy probably had a billion dollars and he was probably a member down at the country club with fucking Mark Wahlberg who both don't even know how to swing a goddamn golf club. Fuck that. That's my game. <laughs> like that makes me so mad. I hate these rich people, you know, and then they have to like put that stuff out on their platform. The rock has never read a fucking article. I don't even know if he can read. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> we're talking about you. You got that hat on. I know. You got, right? the, you got the rock hat on. I Speaking know. of the ballot, pots out in New Jersey, so it's they out. put like they put it on the ballot to make it recreational legal. Um, and uh, is it is it recreational legal a a recreational legal in Pennsylvania? No, no, just it might be on the it might be on the ballot in PA too. It's um, what's it cost for a medical eighth? Um, anywhere from 35 to 70. Okay. They're charging us like 70 bucks, 65, 70 bucks here. Really? And you know, I'm living in Los Angeles where it's like going into a seven 11 and it's 25 bucks for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
if it becomes legal, I wonder what they'll do with like those prices and stuff. But I, now I got fucking dice. I used to walk into the, I used to walk down the street to, to the dispensary. Now I got a dealer named Dice. He's got a pick in his hair. Last time I was in the city, I had called you. I went and saw, I went to the comedy cellar and saw Ari Shafir perform. And I had a buddy of mine hit me up with a delivery service and some lady shows up with a fucking book bag. We go upstairs. She f- opens up her book bag and like literally rolls out this giant. It was like a dare kit. It was like yeah. all kinds of different samples. And she's like, okay, let me know what you want. I'm just like go through I, and, and pick it and then I pray that you don't him. fucking die. Yeah. Right. So you never know if it's legit, but I wonder, so me and Joey, when we lived out there, when we first moved out to LA, it was, medically legal but not not recreational but there was a dispensary and joey would just call he's so fucking cool he would just call and be like i don't have my card the one dispensary was like come on down and so we started going to this dispensary and it was um it it was what was i saying oh it was cheap but you didn't know what the hell that it was gonna be um but so i called that buddy and he said uh he would meet me in the city, but he'd never come out to Jersey. They don't know anybody in Jersey. So I got Dice, which is, you know, Dice is a good guy. But um, we sat and smoked a blunt in a fucking parking lot the other day. <laughs> and it was just like, God, I want to go golfing, man. <laughs> like, can we not be doing this right now in, in, the, in a kid's park in the middle of the day? So is Jersey shut down? Like, what is Jersey? Is it all shut down right now? Right to second, we got indoor dining. 25%. We have outdoor dining. Um, it's coming back. You know, I, like the indoor recreational sports places are open. Um, schools are open. Uh, hybrid, most of them. I think some of them are probably going the whole way, but then they're closing in New York right across the border. Again, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Cause I, like, There hasn't been any cases in my school specifically, but other places get screwed and have to regress immediately. Um, What's it like at home? Depends on who you are, I guess. I mean, I, I haven't seen what everybody's afraid of yet. And I, I feel bad if I say that and I offend somebody who has seen how this can affect people, but I I don't know, man. I see they sell cigarettes still at the fucking gas station and those kill half a million people every year. And I know they, you know, just it's very convenient, you know, that this is all happening right now. Oh, you are you conspiracy right now? Do you think? I think it's (laughs) going to disappear in November. Yes, because here here's why I think. Um. Not that it's going to disappear in November. I, I, it's like it's not so it's not so black and white. Conspiracy stuff isn't isn't always so like on the ends of the spectrum. It's I think that this was let go probably by accident, possibly on purpose from China. Sure. And I think that they're sitting back laughing right now at how long we're continuing to deal with something that they didn't think was really going to impact us this long because it's not as serious as we're making this out to be, but they it's, 
perfect timing because of the election. I think people are taking advantage of something. And so it's not one grand conspiracy, but more a lot of people that are using it as a tool and political lever in this election cycle. And it's dragging it out. And it's not that it's not real, but everything's dangerous. I'm with you. I'm with you. They're dragging it out. They're using it as, a, as politicized. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's awful what they're doing to it. I, uh, I tend to agree that it, or tend to disagree. I think that it it can really kill some people. Um, but I've seen your podcasts talking about health yep. and, you know, people that are smoking cigarettes and stuff like that. It's uh, absolutely true. I mean, I haven't smoked a cigarette since the shit started in you know, in February, I, I wasn't like an addictive smoker anyway, but you know, you go out and you drink and you smoke with your buddies. Yeah. Um, I, but then you play golf or something with somebody that's smoking a cigarette and you're like, Hey dude, you know, with all this shit going down, that's gonna, that's gonna really impact you if you get sick, you can't breathe anyway. And uh, they make jokes and say like, haven't you heard cigarettes make you less susceptible to the virus? Um, and so it's bullshit. But I think that a lot of people are can die, especially kids. Of, there's a lot of unhealthy people in this world. Well, that's true. I mean, that's, you have your that's listen, that's wait, it's fucking true as hell. I, and I'm I don't think you have any of this information on hand. But what do you think the percentage of people who are let's just define healthy as you know what you and I consider healthy, right? How many mm-hmm. healthy people do you think are dying from this? I'm sure, I'm sure some, but I'm also sure that there's been some healthy people who, you know, dr- drank a fucking Kicked energy right drink. Away. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of things. Remember when energy drinks were killing people and there's just, there's scientific anomalies. There's just the law of large numbers that when you have 300 million people, some people are going to die of things, but how many really healthy people are dying? Well, you see one story every three months, you know, 28 year old doctor contracted the virus and died. Um, My buddy Mike down the road went for a physical, got his blood taken, had antibodies. Um, I know some people that have had just like a tickle in their throat for two days. And then all of a sudden they have the antibodies. They they had the virus. They didn't know. So Um, here's I'm willing to bet I had it. Yeah. Think about this, right? Okay, we have, tell me if I'm wrong on any of this stuff, because here's how I make my decisions on all of this. I don't believe it's, I don't believe that it's fake. I believe that it can hurt and be deadly to people. It can be severe to some, and we really don't understand the long-term ramifications of what this means to people who do have it now. Sure. So, and there's a whole thing that can come from that financial, right? If everybody that has it now has long-term effects and has to claim disability in the future, that could have a huge economic impact on our country as well. So there there's, there's a lot to it, right? But when I look at it and I see that the mortality rates are in the, what, like two to 4% range, dependent upon your age. If you're very young, it's like, you have a 99 point something percent chance of survival. If you're 70 plus, you have like a 94% chance of survival. Then with comorbidity, the risks start going up higher and higher. If you're diabetic, if you're overweight, if you're all of those things. But we're basing that number, if I believe I'm correct, off of known tested positive cases and then looking at the morbidity rate 
of people that have died. But to your point, you think you've probably had it. If it's as contagious as we think it is, how many people in this country have actually contracted this highly contagious disease? Probably way more than the however many 2 million cases, right? It's probably 4 million. Maybe it's 10 million. Maybe 30 million people have, have got it or how maybe it's just 20 times more because I fucking asked 30 people. Have you ever been tested? No. Have you been tested? No. A lot of people haven't been tested and people who have died from it. They're not like hidden in closets. We know the people that have died. We've probably actually overcounted some, but probably. we've, we've had at least covered all of the dead people. They're not hidden, but there are people who have had it that haven't died that we aren't counting as have had it. And so if we believe that the number statistically right now says that it's 97, 98, 99% chance, I actually think it's probably like 99.9 when you consider how many people are in this country that have had it. I, I think you're right. Um, I think uh, the CDC has been able with like the statistical formulas out there, I'm sure there's some estimations taking from a small sample size um, of people that have had antibodies um, and didn't know they had it. And then taking that sample size, that total population using a smaller sample size to estimate all that stuff. I think though, um, and it could be that this goes back to your point, they're not gonna release that. And I think that's because it's politicized. Um, so it, it's all a scheme. And again, I, I'll say it one more time, I'm, I'm blue all the way, but they do fucking want this guy out of office so badly that they're going for anything. Um, is it his fault that this virus is not controlled? No, it's a fucking, um, it's, a, it's an amendment right for the states to control it. So, Absolutely not. It's not his fault. It's a dickhead governor in Florida. It's a dickhead governor in Texas. It's a dickhead governor in Georgia. Our dude here, Phil Murphy, has been great. New Jersey is doing so well because it's their response that matters. Um, so the government has access to the Federal Reserve, has access to all or, um, PPE supplies. They have FEMA that can come in and help you. Um, but not until you ask for it. So if the state didn't ask for it, they get screwed. Um, that's, that's, that's part of what happened with Katrina. So New Orleans didn't know that they had to ask for FEMA to come in and help. Um, could that have been a ploy for George Bush to be an asshole and say, I don't like the mayor of New Orleans. I'm not going to go in until he asks. Maybe. But he didn't like black people. George Bush? That's what <laughs> Kanye said, right? George, Kanye said that, yeah. Now he's running for president. I'd love to see what he's got to say. Um, but so, no, it's not Trump's fault. Uh, and again, I think a lot more people have had coronavirus than what you really think. I probably have had it. Um, just being my buddies that have had it. And I, I quarantined. I did a pretty good job of staying safe. But like after a little while, dude, I had to play some sport. I had to play basketball with my buddies and shit like that. And so buddy that I play basketball with and lift with had, had the virus and he didn't know it. Yeah, so, there's the stout academy the jiu-jitsu academy here in pittsburgh has like i think 400 plus students muay thai yeah. and, and jiu-jitsu 
And as of a couple of weeks ago, they didn't have any confirmed cases from any students. And those are people that are rolling around together in sweat downtown sure. Pittsburgh. I mean, it's. That's true. I mean, at school, like, you know, I just think those kids are going to get too close to each other. Like let me, high school. Let me ask then you, you won't know. How many? <clears throat> yeah. But how many people do you know that have had it? And then how much of what you've, is it just what you see and what people are telling you? So I got a girl, the girl that I lived with in Bel Air has it right now. Um, and she uh, is, does she though? She's really sick. Sorry, Siri went off again. Um, she's like, I asked her yesterday, I was like, can you like work out? Can you move? And she said, I just went up a flight of stairs and I feel like I'm going to fucking die. She's 32 or 33 years old in good shape, all this stuff. She, is she a known liar? <laughs> she's not a known I'm just, liar. I'm not, I'm not um, trying to fight. She's, yeah. uh, who do I know here that's had it? I knew a guy, a guy in New York that had it. Um, I played golf with a doctor the other day who said he had it. Do you, th- um, do you think there's anybody that's told you that they've had it that didn't really have it? And they're just trying to get like brownie points? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, I, I played golf with this doctor who was like, I had it, was asymptomatic. The one kid I knew in New York was had a cold, but I, I guarantee. Who do you think had it and or didn't have it and told the whole world he had it? Trump. You're, yeah, that motherfucker didn't have it. Get the hell out of here. He's fat. He's stupid. I mean, he's just every symptom that would have killed him. I I think he knew exactly everything that was going to transpire, even down to the we want to have a virtual debate, and that he would be able to then say I'm not doing it. And uh, what a genius, what a genius. That's so true. Um, if you can think that far ahead, you deserve to be president. Um, but I don't think it was him that thought that far ahead. I think far ahead, I think it was his, um, his administration. Um, holy shit, dude. What, look, dude, she's so hot. I'm voting for her. Four more yeah. years of that. I said that in the group chat to my parents the other day. I'm a, I'm a huge troll with my family because yeah. obviously like I got a lot of Biden supporters in my family. Um, and uh, when Trump got it, my mom said something about, uh, why don't you go get close to your White House uh, press speaker? And I said, dude, I would love to get close to that girl. She's, she's re- fucking ridiculous. Did- um, go ahead. Now I was going to say, did, did Louie tell you what he did uh, as far as the news article with you? Dude, he did tell me. Have you heard anything? Did anything pop I'm up? Lo- I've been looking every day. I think So for anybody listening, my brother stopped at a, a synonymous house in Western Pennsylvania that's called the Trump House. And it's painted like an American flag. They sell all kinds of souvenirs and it's on the side of a state highway. And he stopped there when he was driving by and there were reporters there. And they stopped him and asked if they could ask him some questions and that they were from the New York times. And so he instructed them that his name was Kenny Conwinski from uh, New Jersey. And he was visiting family in the Pittsburgh area. And uh, when they asked him questions about the Trump house, he went into like the most (laughs) mega Trump support that you could possibly imagine (laughs) and totally threw your name behind it. That's absolutely hysterical. He has her card. I need to get what her name is. I uh, I love that dude. You guys do that stuff to me all the time. So um, um, he uh, went into my bank account one time, 
and saw <laughs> like so I was driving across the country I was coming back to New Jersey and he saw where I stayed like a shithole hotel in like Missouri or something and he fucking used one of those apps and he called me from that shitty hotel and left me a voicemail about how like there's charged porn to the room and I owe him 70 bucks. <laughs> I called the hotel back and I was like, hey, uh, what are you talking about? And the guy looked at my stuff and was like, there's nothing on here. And I immediately clicked. I was like, I know exactly what happened. And then he did the Benton thing to me. Have you ever heard about the Benton thing? Uh, what was it that he did? <laughs> so after Benton had died, oh, yeah, he, he called did me. me. He called me from Benton's number and played a voicemail of Mr. Hey, it's Mr. Benton. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah, I was so, high as fuck and got a voicemail and listened to it. And every hair on my body stood up because I still had his number saved in my phone. And so it said I had a missed call and voicemail from Rick Benton. And I was like, that's really fucking strange. Like, how did somebody, he's like, somebody else would have that number. Why would it call me? And so I like went and looked and it was like, there was a 30 second voicemail. So I'm like, that's fucking stranger. And I clicked it and it was him. And he was like, Justin, how are you? Like talking to me. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I literally, dude, I was freaked out. It took me. He's so clever. Um, you did that with me with your financial advisor. Um, told him I was a high wealth individual. He's calling me 10 times a day, trying to get money off of me. Um, have you been getting any calls from uh, Kaplan University in Kaplan DeVry. Yeah, University of Phoenix? <laughs> I've been trying to do that forever. I wanted to get your email, but I didn't know how thanks. to ask you for your email. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. You know, I put two and two together because it was right after I sent you the invitation for this show. I got a bunch of fucking phone calls from some dude. And I'm like, what the hell? And I answer the phone. And he's like, hey, this is Jeff from Kaplan University. How are you? And I'm like, I'm good. Like, what do you want? And he's like, I'm just following up on your application. I was just wondering if you had some time to talk about getting ready. I'm like, bro, I am not, I'm, I'm a 33 year old adult. And then it hit me. I'm like, Kenny's a fucking dick. <laughs> I really wanted to get you for that financial advisor thing. We do that shit to each other all the time. Joey used to leave me voicemails just like at three 30 in the morning. He's like right next to me and used to leave me voicemails to go get him Del Taco. He would, do you remember how, how stoned Joey used to get before he became like doobie? Mm -hmm. Like he used to get so stupid and would lay on the floor and just go, ah. <laughs> um, and that was just so much fun. He had a, we had a blast together. And then, uh, you know, you just get older and you can't do that as much. Like I, I can't see myself dancing at those fucking bars and spilling beer that, all over each other. That trip to Lake Havasu. I, so public service announcement to anybody that's going to go to Lake Havasu. If you're going to go, go during spring break and be prepared for whatever it is that happens there, but don't go out of season because you'll find yourself in the throes of a meth laced fucking community of random people. Dude, that was the most bizarre. I felt like I was in deliverance. Yeah, dude, it's like, you know, Breaking Bad, how they're like, you look at Albuquerque or wherever they are, and you're like, this is just so dreary. Desert fucking trash, dude. That's a different breed. Like, we're Bradford, PA, man. Those those people in Bradford, 
versus desert trash. They're just a different breed of meth heads. Um, remember that bar? We walked in there. I was like, oh, look at these scummy fucking people. They, hurt. Nobody, they wanted to kill me. Um, and I didn't even mean it like that. I just kind of was like, look at these guys. We're home. And uh, didn't come off right. And you were like, let's get out of here. <laughs> Doesn't seem like a good place for us to be. Well, speaking of getting out of here, so everything happening. I, I, I was thinking about this earlier and I wanted to ask you this question. If you had the opportunity to go any place in time in history and experience being in that time, not, not necessarily, you can tell me like an actual like range, but I'm talking like a, a significant event. So is there, is there like a significant event in history that you can think about that? Like, what would be your three most desired that you could go back to? Yeah. So like, I would love to be in medieval times, like a war in the medieval times. I don't want to be in it. Obviously I don't want to get my head cut off with a sword, but watching that would be so sick. Um, I guess like a beheading would be cool. And then you got your 60s stuff where it's just like, they were just so stoned out on acid, which isn't me, but it would be fun to watch. No, I'm saying like any, any particular thing, like, Ah, particular event in time it's got to be wars man for me those are the things but i love history in terms of like i love war history like stalingrad and um just like the whole holocaust it's just so interesting to me um i think probably where i would like to be is like when the u.s came like won the war i'd like to see the feeling that people had and like the the relief like when this pandemic's over, I imagine it's going to be kind of the same thing. Like, holy shit, we made it. Like people are going to be crying. It's going to happen on election night. You're just going to see, well, it's not going to, you think that's going to be like four months after we're going to know. It's going to be a nightmare no matter what happens, dude. No matter what, nobody's going to be happy with the results. Yeah. What do you think? Where would you like to be? You know, number one would be Woodstock. I would have loved okay. that. I would have loved to have been at Woodstock. Um, I would have loved to have been at the crucifixion, something that oh, like, has fascinated me a lot to like, see like what actually happened to be there. And, you know, maybe like uh, the being in Dallas when JFK was shot or see, I was going to go to that. I was going to say something like cliche that maybe, but it's just, and maybe those are really bad and there's probably a lot of other things that I could go back to, but those have always sure. fascinated me. To be at like a specific event, like JFA, JFK getting shot, to be watching that on TV. So <clears throat> I was watching the RNC the other couple of weeks ago and I was just like, this is it. He's going to die on television. Like there's going to be <laughs> like, I was like, this is going to be a JFK moment. And I just couldn't imagine. Can you fucking imagine that watching that on TV or the spaceship blowing up? Well, no, no. I mean, what well, was that called? I, I mean, I did watch it. I think about it right now. 9-11, man. When I was, a, I was my freshman year of high school, I watched that second plane slam into that tower. You did? Yeah. You saw that on TV? Watched it on television. Holy shit. 
Yeah. Dude, GGB. So they fucking didn't, they wouldn't tell us. They wouldn't say a word. They were like, there's a surprise is what one of my friends told me. He was like, yeah, right. Fucking surprise. Um, but so, you know, here up in the New York area, this and this is an example of human empathy and just like how it's just not really there with a lot of people. So here people are so um, torn up on that day. It's such a solitary day. And for me, I just, you know, it's, it's nothing to me. And I feel bad thinking that, but like, that's just, I grew I was 11 in Bradford, PA. They didn't tell me what happened. And so it's a different feeling for you because you were older and you were watching it. But, um, so I go up to the, there's a, you can see New York city pretty much from my apartment. Like you just go right up the hill and there's a huge nine 11, the Jersey nine 11 Memorial is there Essex County. Um, and so you can see the tower shooting up and it's amazing. So I go up there the past nine 11s I've been here. I've gone up there and this year they weren't going to do the towers. Do you remember how much that sparked, how much controversy that sparked? Yep. What happened? Like know. they did it. They did do it. Did they do it? Yeah. So I saw the tower shooting up and um, it's packed. Like people go up there and, uh, and look at it. And so you can feel it when you're looking at those towers, but I had no idea, you know, it was a normal day for me. I rode my bike, rode my bike down to Zach Kenny's house and played backyard football. Yeah. Wasn't. No, it's, it's actually been, it's been a while, you know, it's uh I forget how old that I've gotten, but I was definitely, we had a, we had an announcement during a, an assembly. There was a motivational speaker that was at the high school talking to us. And they said that there was just a airplane that flew into one of the world trade centers. And when we went back to class, you're sitting there watching it. It was, it was within a couple of minutes of watching it in class that the second plane hit. Um, that's, just a crazy experience and I, you know you'll always remember that motivational speaker you should have him you should call him see if I've, you looked, can get him. I've looked into it i've uh i'm in the i'm working on it let's say but you know just growing up like we just grew up in a totally different world than anybody have you found so you're in an urban area i mean pittsburgh um have you found differences in yourself between just like who you're with who you see on a daily basis, who you hang out with and the differences between the people that you're with in, in Pittsburgh versus the people that you're with at home. Yeah, no, a lot of, a lot of differences in a lot of ways and some similarities. I think, yeah. I think what I've realized more than anything is you realize who your true friends are, you know, you realize sure. who your true supporters are. Um, I, you know, I, people are who I miss though. I don't, you know, I miss memories of, of, our town i miss people but when i go back i'm quickly reminded why i left unfortunately and that's i don't okay. mean i'm not trying to be negative but it's it's a sad place sometimes to go back and see and i've kept in contact with a handful of people i wish i kept in contact with more the crazy thing about this podcast is that i've been able to generate a community and an and a group that's outgrown even Bradford now and sure you, you start to have a different reality like I posted some goofy ass video on my Instagram yesterday and it was like what is reality 
Um, I had a cool conversation episode before this with a neuroscientist. I just released it earlier today. And we talked about the brain. We talked about um, even simulation theory and the possibility that we do live in a simulation. And he kind of like blew my mind. And I kind of walked away from that thinking like, what is reality? Because I have a new reality now. I have a community of people. Some of them are in Europe. Some of them are in Australia. Some of them are in Canada. Some of them are in South America. And sure. they're starting to communicate with each other. And quite honestly, some of them are closer to me now than some people that I used to be close with are to me now. And I've built relationships that way. And it wasn't that long ago that I was kind of freaked out by the fact that like, we're starting to have these worlds that aren't really like in person, but yeah. it's, it's almost through osmosis. And it's like how everything else in technology, just you look and it's, I remember when the, the Instagram changed and put stories in and I'm like, what the fuck's this shit? They're like copying Snapchat. And now nobody uses their regular feed in, in Instagram. Everybody uses the stories and it's, uh, it's the same thing, man. Like I'm, I'm building relationships and friendships that are deeper and stronger than some of the people that I used to have personal relationships with and not all, you know, there's yeah. the truth. I mean, there's a hundred that's, that's true. And so like, when I go home, I think about it and I realize why I'm not so close with people anymore. You know, I, I think the Jones, I think our relationship between the, the five of us, um that's like really strong and we all go a separate way but we're just like always gonna be there but there's other relationships at home where it's just like uh, dude I can't even believe I hung out with you when I was younger um I have been living in a lot of different places predominantly cities um and I realize just how different it is I but it's harder to make friends as you get older so I do have relationships, but I have made very minimal adult friends and, and I have been in different places. Obviously I spent two years here, two years there, but so like adult friendships that are as deep as the ones that I've made in college and in high school, I don't even know if they exist, especially when everybody's trying to do something different. Yeah. Um, I think, can you benefit me? You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, I've preached and preached and preached about martial arts and have martial artists and talk about jujitsu. And the reason I do that is because that for me has been a way to find relationship and community because everything you just said, I've found to be true as well. Like as you get older, it's harder to, maybe it's, maybe it's not everybody, but for me, it's harder to make friends because I look for more than just surface level bullshit to be your friend with. It's, we, everything's so like quick gratification, Instagram, social media, that you don't really ever get below that surface. And so doing difficult tasks with people, you know, if you get up early and you go to the gym with a group of guys or girls, or you go and do jujitsu, or, you know, you're in chess or something where you're building a bond that's deeper than just a quick interaction. That I think is how you find those friends along the way. And then when you move, I still keep in contact with people who I met in different areas or places, but we've got something more than just a brief exchange of, to your point, how can I help you now? Or how can you help me now? It's, it's more than that. 
It's true. And I mean, they're there. Obviously, those relationships still exist. Um, but is it really wrong to want to, I don't want to say use somebody, but benefit from other people? Like, you know, we grew up thinking that that was wrong. Like, to want to be friends with somebody because you can benefit from them. Um, but like a symbiotic relationship, I don't know if that's the word, but a relationship where both the people benefit each other, that's kind of like what you're looking for. And it always just tends to be um, hard to find. Yeah. You know, somebody wants more from the other person. Well, that to me is a problem with society, right? It's so, it is hard on an individual basis, but it's easily managed when it's just you. You can do hard sure. things, right? But when you try to have that same type of perfection, in mass society where you don't have the ability to control all the variables. That's where I have a hard time getting behind a lot of these really great sounding social ideas that I agree with. I, I want free healthcare. I want colleges for free for people. If that's the way it goes, like I want all of this great stuff. I want everybody to help each other. I don't want any hungry people. I want everybody to have a living working wage in their bank account. I wish that a pandemic didn't hurt people financially when they don't get it, you know, work for six months. But all of that said, when you do all of those things and you then put it into the world, it usually doesn't. Number end up. one's got to be first. Has to be. You got to yourself. And it's, uh, I mean, that is uh, human nature. So like um, I do behavior analysis, right? And so I, I practice predominantly with autism but I want to practice in public health. That's why I'm getting a master's in public health. And I want to, I, I essentially want to write policy and, and work in government. Um, but, you know, all behavior serves a function. You know, there's a couple different reasons why anybody engages in anything. Um, and that goes through everything. Like, I mean, a kid with autism, public health systems, politics, it's about me. I want to benefit myself. Of course, those socially significant problems, socially significant behaviors, um, I want to, I want kids to engage in. I want to teach them that. But I need you to find a functional way to benefit yourself. Um, and so that's where business and all that stuff comes in, and in uh, organizational behavior psychology, right? So how do we benefit the public, but we still benefit a little bit more? Um, so it's it's really difficult, and it's all about socially mediated positive reinforcement and right now the money money and sex are the two highest reinforcers in the world um you can say i go to work because i'm passionate but you you're lying and it's it, i'm not you specifically but like i said that to a dad the other day that i like you know i engage in something i go to work every day um of course i'm passionate but i get paid at the end of the day why the fuck would i come to work if i didn't get paid um, and, uh, I, I think the dad was like, no, you, you're passionate. You come to work cause you're passionate. And I'm, of course, yeah, sure. I want to help your family, but, um, if I can make a billion dollars somewhere else. I would do that too. You're the type of guy I want helping my kids. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I want to, I want to get paid so fucking much that I am going to help your family because I'm going to not be successful at my job. And then I'm not going to get paid if I didn't help your family. And so, um, there's no better feeling than, uh, 
watching a kid change his life and his and his family to to change your life and a, and a mom to be able to sleep at night how much but, of that is program driven i mean from what you see are, are, i mean is it overwhelmingly positive are these things making big impacts or where's the hang up because there's still like if you look at all of these places where this type of ideology should and you would think would be very prominent those are still the communities that 20 30 years later you hear about like nothing's changed here so what like everything you know what i mean like it all makes sense but why is it not manifesting into what we think it should so what do you mean with kids with autism or you're talking about just like systems in general well aren't all kids that are poor have autism <laughs> i go the other way all kids that are, have autism are poor um <laughs> You got to cut that one, please. Um, so uh, the thing is, all right, so why systems do not change? Um, because somebody that is uh, intervening or putting the intervention in place has to fucking benefit. So it goes all the way back to, um, goes back to health, essentially. All right, so Donald Trump, take a businessman, <clears throat> for example. He has a franchise of McDonald's. What's the cheapest food in the world? McDonald's. I'm going to put that in the hood. The people go to the McDonald's, they get fat, they get diabetes, then COVID comes around and it kills more people, kills more black people. Well, why the hell not? Why the hell wouldn't it? Because they're all unhealthy. When's the last time you've seen a Panera bread or a salad place in the hood? They all run by, you know, never. It's it's all fast food. After we get off this, I'm going to go to Taco Bell down the road in East Orange. I mean, there, it, it's all, it all stems from a certain issue and that's who's going to make money. Um, they panhandle speaking, all the time. Speaking of that, the people in Bradford, <laughs> have you seen the body cam videos of Bartlett? No. Oh, watch those videos. I watched them yesterday. I would love for you to pull it up on the screen. Dude, he's like, in one video, so the first video is WSB.com. The top video is him talking shit to the guy in the car. So the kid's in the back after he maced him, and he's like, I can't see. I can't see. And Bartlett's like, I'm going to fucking kick your ass if you keep talking to me like that. So this is this is the, he's no longer <laughs> chief right he resigned correct uh he either got resigned he got i don't know if he resigned he got suspended without pay did he actually get get resigned or kicked out or something i hope yeah i don't think um, he's the police chief they, i think somebody else is the police chief right now so he he was in trouble for uh citizens captured him roughing up a kid getting into a police car from a window of their house right and that's what kicked this whole thing off yeah, yeah. So he was always an asshole. You knew that. I mean, I remember you called him, you called him RoboCop 20 years ago. You're like, there's fucking RoboCop at the football games. Um, and he was, uh, he was the school cop for a while. I think he got fired from that for Mason, a kid or something. Handicap. Mason, like an, a kid with autism, yeah. which is fucking crazy. Um, <clears throat> but so apparently he roughed up this kid. And then he was, the kid was beating his wife maybe, but it looked like a kid, but apparently he was an adult. He was like a married adult. 
Um, and so it was his wife that I think he was yeah, roughing he's not up. Like the, he's not like the best example of a great citizen of society and all. No, no, absolutely not. And listen, dude, you have to listen to him talk. He didn't even know where he was. He goes, my wife's in Bradford. And Bartlett's like, we are in Bradford. The guy was just so, <clears throat> I, I mean, I, I'm sure he had some mental problems. He had a speech impediment and things like that. But like, I thought he was drugged out. Mm-hmm. And so Bartlett's getting all this shit. So Bartlett's a fucking asshole. But uh, in that video, and I, police brutality is a big thing, but in that video, like you don't see anything wrong. This kid beat his, beat his wife. He's talking shit to a cop. It's like, man, you got a lot of patience to be sitting here and just ignoring this guy while he cries in the back of your car. Like you can see, it's on Delaware. So you can see him driving down Delaware. <laughs> you can see Kristen's old house. <laughs> um, dude, it's like, I watched it on the golf course yesterday and I wanted to go beat this fucking kid. He was so bad. So he's in the back of the cop car and Bartlett comes up and starts talking shit to him. Bartlett's driving. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Bartlett's like, I'm the chief of fucking police. There is no step up above me. And he goes, you abuse your authority. <laughs> like he's crying it. And Bartlett's like, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's hysterical. And again, I don't, I don't condone, condone police brutality in the least bit. And this guy was not a minority. He was just a scummy white kid. Um, just fucking scum. You got. I'm gonna send you the link after, after we get off here. All right, brother. Let's get the fuck out of here. It was great talking to you.